Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, the team at uh, Hotel Analyst gets around the table of insight to give you some thoughts on three topics uh, that have risen in the news in the recent week. At Hotel Analyst, we concentrate on the hotel investment marketplace globally from our seats here in the UK. And this week, we're starting in the UK by talking about Premier Inn and Whitbread, its owners. They've recently released a trading update. And Catherine, I believe the uh, graphs are starting to turn down. Yes, once again, it's looking a little bit tricky for Premier Inn, particularly around their short-led business bookings, um, which is uh, of interest to them deeply, deeply, and uh, not working out so well. So the last um, results, they were talking about how they were favouring occupancy over rate, but it was going to be fine because they were favouring occupancy over rate, and it was good, and it was about brand building, and everything was fine. This time, favouring occupancy over rate, not using the OTAs, and maybe consider slowing down the extension program this year. So slowly, every quarter, we've had a kind of the addition of things which maybe aren't so chipper. And a lot of this is being blamed on um, Brexit uncertainty and, and probably entirely accurately. But one wonders what they'll be saying at the next quarter. And one wonders about all the brokers who are in a constant state of trying to sell Whitbread. Uh, and of course, Elliott advisors who are in a constant state of trying to sell Whitbread's hotels. Where the tipping point will come as slowly it runs down its share price and runs down interest and what will happen and if only if only if only they had two billion to spend in Germany if only they did wouldn't that be marvelous but sadly there appears no obvious solution to this problem so we look forward to the next results <laughs> when uh, presumably we'll be seeing more of the same um, what they pointed out of course is on a slightly more chipper side as far as the extension goes is this is a, a lever that they can pull because they have all the planning in place for these things and they can just boot it over to a time when there's more demand whenever that may be yes it's certainly an ouch as far as these results are concerned um, the analysts at Morgan Stanley reckon they are the worst uh, like-for-likes they've seen since 2010. And the outlooks are nearly as bad, flat to minus 4% revpar projected for the full year. So that is indeed not good. But um, I, I would suggest that this is much more to do with the wider economic um, environment than simply sort of a problem at Whitbread itself. Um, and in fact, if you look at what's happening across Europe, it, it's pretty great. Um, in terms of that, those uh, RevPAR forecasts and indeed GDP forecasts. And we have talked at length about the need for Whitbread to make an acquisition. They still need to make an acquisition, but there's only so many times you can say that. Um, what I'd like to say is something slightly different, actually, um, just to get onto a different topic with Whitbread. And something we haven't really touched on yet on this podcast, and I think it's going to be quite a big feature in the industry, um, not just our industry, but across industries uh, where they have operating leases. And these are the exciting, it's going to talk accountants, now um, and it's IFRS 16 Ooh. and it's oh yes oh, steady steady <laughs> a horrible minute there I thought you were going to talk about F&B but uh, <laughs> I'll take IFRS 16 any day <laughs> uh, um, 
but it, it, basically it's where the, the, the lease obligation is going to get capitalised up onto the balance sheet and make those balance sheets look a lot grimmer um, because of all the obligations they have. Um, and, and this is going to have a big impact. And um, Whitbread, although it's predominantly freehold, leases are now 37% of their estate. So it is going to have an impact with them. But I, th I think there's an upside for Whitbread here because it's really going to hit uh, lease only operators. So I'm thinking here maybe Motel One. I'm thinking here maybe Scandic. And now nothing fundamental is going to change with this, but the optics are going to change a lot. And whilst I think equity investors are probably going to be able to look through this, um, it doesn't appear to be the case that debt uh, providers are looking through it. And the rumours I hear on the market are that debt is going to be a much more significantly constrained as a result of these uh, changes to accounting practice, which could be very interesting for Whitbread, because what they'll have, they will have a bunch of competitors who are having their access to debt much more constrained, and at the same time having a tougher trading time. So that should make prices come down and make it a very good buying opportunity for Whitbread. Okay, and from one outfit that should be selling up, or perhaps doing a deal, to uh, another British hotel brand that has done a deal, McDonald Hotels. Uh, big deal, and a uh, new investor coming in, but um, what's, what's the detail, Catherine? Um, yes, so Centrebridge Partners, working with Hamilton Hotel Partners, are coming in and taking the name, management platform, headquarters and 27 glorious hotels. Um, and in the process, we'll be wiping out McDonald's debt, which, uh, as anyone who's been following the sector will, re will uh, recall, has been slowing them down a little bit over the past few years. In fact, they've been looking at this over and over again and finally found someone to come in and, and clear it all up and leave them with uh, some hotels, a bit of uh, resort action in Spain, I believe. So it's all kind of turned out nice. Um, and it's very comforting, I think, for the sector, which um, has many, 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 many of these hotel companies in the regions, which have been having a difficult time loaded up with debt. Where to go? Fortunately, there's always somebody willing to swoop in and, uh, and pump their cash into it and everyone can ride off into the sunset happy as you like. So I'm taking this as a, as a, as a good news story of, of no debt and <laughs> it's all going to be okay. And I'm sure many others will be reading this and uh, feeling their little hearts leap with delight. Um, and, uh, and not looking towards Brexit and, uh, and Premier and any problems that they may be having because apparently there are plenty of people willing to stride in. It's all lots of fun. One way of looking at this, I think, <laughs> is is that if we're actually seeing the death at last of a zombie. Um, and I, I think the underlying business here is quite solid, but it, the finance brain of this um, has completely rotted through. <gasps> so uh, is this finally an end to pretend and extend? Uh, yes, yes, oh. precisely that point. Precisely that point, Catherine. Yeah. So, I mean, if we if we go if we if we dust down the history books and look at look at McDonald's. So, you know, they listed in '96. Uh, then they went private in 2003, and it's all the leverage they they put on in 2003. Now they had a go at getting rid of that at uh, early 2007 when they sold off 24 hotels to Moorfield, but that wasn't enough. They still had uh, uh, too much debt, and they've been labouring under this for some time they're of course were a client of HBOS um, as we know one of the the banks that went spectacularly bang um, in 2008 and um, they were so heavily indebted that actually they just had to the the, the 
the Lloyds who took over HMOS didn't want to write down um, McDonald because it was going to create too much pain for them. They sold off companies, actually much better um, companies in terms of the financial structure, capital structure, companies like Mint Hotels. That, that oh, got flogged off yes. in 2011. But the, McDonald's were in such a state that they just decided to hang on to them and just kept them on sort of life support um, and finally now I think this has caught up with them and I think that there's an issue here we've we just been talking about in terms of Whitbread the downturn that's going there so we're seeing um, so hot stats for example saying UK hotel 3% drop in in uh, operating profit year on year and I think it's quite clear that this is not a sustainable financial structure even with the uber low interest rates we've got coming out so this is that to just finally sort that out and I think that's done that an interesting thing digging around this though is just I thought oh interest rates what we you know where where are we at with this and uh, I dug out um, a piece from the Italian bank Unicredit and they were looking at forecasts what they were saying and yes it's very bad in terms of GDP forecast UK 1.3% GDP growth this year 0.9% next year the eurozone just as bad 1% 1.0% this year 1.0% next year um, but interestingly what they had was a forecast in terms of where interest rates were heading and the third quarter of 2020, uh, Unicredit reckoned that the base rate in the UK is going to be down at zero, even lower than it's ever got before. So we, we've got down to a 0 0.25, uh, 25 basis points, but they reckon it's going to get even lower than that. And they're going to get down to zero um, in as we bottom out in this, this cycle now. So um, um, lower for longer, as we talked about, I think, in 2009. Now it looks like being lower forever. OK, and with that on that happy note, let's now talk about the sharing economy. We all love a bit of a disruptor. Uh, yes, well, not so much a, a, yeah, it's a fresh moan as a kind of a deep breath between moans and a continuation of the original moan. Um, so Amsterdam, Barcelona, Berlin, Bordeaux, Brussels, Krakow, Munich, Paris, Valencia and Vienna have all asked the EU for help. Um, this follows um, a, a <coughs> advisory ruling by the European Court of Justice, which said that the company should be regarded as a digital service provider and not a real estate company, and therefore should be free to rampage throughout the region. Um, and these countries all believe, these cities all believe that Airbnb is causing them issues in terms of room stock, in terms of housing stock, and they believe that homes should be used first and foremost for living in. Um, so they're looking for more help for registration schemes and more help for protecting um, the tourist areas and residential areas of their city and trying to have some kind of demarcation. Um, but of course, um, it was very nearly a seamless link there from the previous story where we're talking about interest rates going down to zero, because of course, something that motivates people to put their houses onto Airbnb is earning some money. And um, on the one hand, everyone's home is their castle and should be rented out therein. On the other hand, it's very irritating to live next to them. And it's somewhat trying when people are making more money out of them, maybe pushing up the housing price a little bit. Um, so yes, we shall see what the uh, what Europe has to say about this. Mm. Uh, I, I think the pro the problem here, what you've got is the governments diving in, trying to fix a, a narrow section of the overall market when they need to 
broaden it out and try and fix the overall market and you know it's a pretty basic um, level of economic understanding you need um, when it comes to housing we need more of it and it's a supply problem we need to have more supply um, there's far too you know uh, tinkering around with other things simply ain't going to fix it and actually this won't do a lot um, I mean there was some nonsense numbers I saw um, I think the Guardian had uh, there was a 40% increase in rents as a result of of home sharing well, I, just, I don't believe how that's possible it, it's simply not a big enough market yet to impact it in that way now in very narrow little um, areas pockets of the city that might be the case but not across the city I, I you know I found that completely incredible um, and, I, and I think there's a real danger here people getting sucked into all of this this and and you know uh, actually doing damage to the overall health of the economy um, damaging tourism itself damaging the 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 money tourism brings in and of course the employment tourism ultimately brings in and i think hoteliers well they they ought to and i've made this point previously they ought to line up with the sharing economy providers and make the case for tourism more generally um because i think the, the regulations themselves they, you know we've got evidence they simply aren't working and i'll just give one little anecdote about how the regulations work in london um so we've actually got a flat um we inherited off uh, my wife's mother um in in down in central london and um we were looking at well, what do we do with it just rent it out or could we maybe airbnb it and um then they've the, got this 90 day limit with airbnb and um so i i phoned up a few of these um people that come in and service them and and do the they let the whole property out for you and all that kind of stuff and i said oh you know they've got this new regulation 90 day lets this is oh, don't worry about that um you know if anybody ever does find out and they hardly ever do we'll just stick it on with another um one of these platforms so once you've used up your 90 days with airbnb you can go and use it on verbo or you can go and use it on another one um and, and you know that, that just shows just how tricky it is to regulate this market and indeed i think you know if we look at um how regulation is working in the market at the moment it's, it's not it's not doing its job and even some established legitimate players in the market i'm thinking here particularly of uh, say service department operators you look at some some of these people quite blue chip companies um say up to half of their portfolio won't have appropriate planning permission they'll be operating apartments which only have residential planning permission um so that it's a whole messy scenario which needs a cleanup but it needs a cleanup which is pro tourism and i i think we need need to as an industry line up with these sharing platforms and say look we are coming to governments talking as one about the positive nature of tourism because it's too easy just to see this as a short-term um, benefit to hoteliers if if sharing platform um, people get a kicking it, it, in the longer term it won't be um, that that's my worry here with this and we we, we need to be very wary about it and in the week when we have got a new UK tourism contract between government and uh, the sector, I guess that's a very appropriate comment and thought on which to end. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Bye for now.